0: Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I
1: head up Ballard's branding team.
0: We're (laughs) your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for the tips, tricks, and tales of interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show so don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on the show. Our guest today is Heidi Callier of Heidi Callier Design in Seattle, Washington. Her work has been featured in Elle Decor, House Beautiful, Better Homes and Gardens, The Wall Street Journal, many more. We are thrilled to have you. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: I feel almost like looking through your portfolio is like looking at a movie set. I want people to envision like these richly layered pattern on pattern, earthy colors. And there's almost like a sepia wash to them.
1: Dirt and all the paint. <laughs> it also feels very West coast to me because it, it, you definitely travel all over and do stuff everywhere, but it feels it when, cause when Caroline says layered and rich, you know, I live in Atlanta, I immediately think, you know, like Northeastern chintz, you know, those kinds of rooms, and that's not at all. what. Yeah,
2: totally. It's interesting, because I feel like there's such a difference. You know, I moved to Seattle from San Francisco, about six years ago now. And there was definitely like a noticeable, I had just had my firm for about a year before I moved. And there was a noticeable shift in the work once I moved here. So I think there is kind of a West Coast mentality, but it's very different than like a California aesthetic, which I feel is so different and lighter and brighter. I think the work in, especially in Seattle has been driven so much by, you know, the weather and it's gray here, you know, 75% of the year and this kind of desire to cozy things up.
0: Mm -hmm. One of my questions was about your neutrals, because I do feel like they're very rarely on the cool side. They're almost always in that sepia palette I mentioned, you know, tans anywhere to like a caramel. Is that influenced by the gray outside you're trying to counterbalance that or is that just something you love
2: it's both i mean i still love you know i love a lot of different design styles but i still love you know an all-white room as well there's something about it that feels a little bit depressing here with the gray skies like it just feels a little bit overbearing if that makes sense. And so that's kind of why I gravitated that way. I also honestly just got really sick of seeing all white interiors, you know. I feel like 5, 6 years ago that's the work that everybody was putting out, you know, all the walls in every house were white and you were seeing a lot of like taupe colored sofas and you know, this kind of like mid-century wood mixed in. It just felt like I was seeing it everywhere and I really just wanted to do something different.
1: Mm -hmm. So you're doing that on a lot of the paneling and trim and everything. too. it's not just your walls, like full on kitchens with these sort of muddy, beautiful
2: oakery colors. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, I think part of it is just your natural progression as a designer, as your, you know, style evolves and you, you know, I'm not formally trained. So I've taught myself everything to date except for the other designers i work worked for. So I think part of that is just the evolution and maturing as a designer and, you know, seeing a room not just as, Oh, these are pieces of furniture that you're going to put in here. This is what the sofa is going to be. But more treating the space itself as an environment. So, what are we going to do with the walls? And how can we carry, you know, the cabinetry around the room so it feels, you know, more embracing or whatever it is? But I think, yeah, that's definitely something that I'm leaning into.
0: I do think that that's probably where the average person kind of gets hung up. They are thinking of it just like, okay, I need to replace my sofa. They're not thinking of it as a cohesive whole. They're just sort of buying things as they need them. And that is the difference between us <laughs> and a designer. What What was your background? Just out of curiosity, like before your first design job working for someone else, what were you doing?
2: So I have a undergraduate degree in sociology, and then I went to graduate school. I have a master's in public health. And then I finished graduate school when I was about 24. And I just kind of uh, wandered for the next few years. I worked in the field for a little while in public health. And then I also bartended, waited tables. I lived in New Orleans for a long time and didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, I kind of dabbled in nursing, acupuncture. I mean, really, you name it. And I think I moved to San Francisco after Hurricane Katrina. And something about this, I just felt inspired by interiors. I started looking at you know, design blogs. That was when blogs were really, really becoming popular. Magazines, and I just got really into it and it just kind of stuck in a way that nothing ever has really stuck for me before. I never went to design school or anything. I worked for two designers when I lived in San Francisco, both kind of short stints, but obviously you learn so much by working at another firm. And then I also worked at a showroom, you know, for about a year just to kind of learn the ropes in terms of like what's a quote and what's a CFA and all of those things. But I feel like I'm studying all the time. Like I'm just constantly looking for new inspiration. And I take a lot of that, you know, and, and implement it in my own work. So constantly learning.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's get more into color because I feel like color is probably the like hallmark of your, your spaces, you know, where does the color inspiration come from? How do you keep them
2: from feeling
0: depressing? Mm, Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's so interesting because people ask me about color a lot, like people who are scared of color or whatever it is like, and especially over the past years, like I really am like, but it's just a neutral. Like I just view that as a neutral. And I think that's the key, especially when you're dealing with like paint colors, cabinetry colors, all of that. Like the muddier tones, they read more neutral to me. Like they don't feel, they, they're saturated, but they're saturated in a different way. So it kind of tones them down and makes them feel a little bit more palatable versus like, you know, if you do like a muddy lavender on a wall versus like a bright purple, it just feels very, very different. And I really do truly read. I mean like the Pharaoh and ball paint deck, I'm like, they're all neutrals because they have a certain muddiness to them. And I think it allows you to also, you know, if you put one of those colors on a wall, like I don't see a way that you can't use every other color on the textiles. You know, like if you have a soft muddy blue on the wall, like certainly bring in bright red on the furnishings or, you know, I just, they read more neutral to me than like a very saturated poppy color.
0: We've talked a lot about nuance and I, and you know, kind of to, what you're saying is like, if you put that muddy blue on the wall, some days it might look more green. Some days it might look more gray. Sometimes it's a true blue. It's never dead of center. So you can, it's yeah.
2: Yeah. And a lot of the rooms like in my portfolio, like a, a, I get asked about paint colors all the time on Instagram and, I don't think a lot of, the, like, you don't look at the room and say, oh, that's a blue room or, oh, that's a pink room. Like, so often it's like, what color is that? And it does. It reads differently at all different times of the day.
1: But, I mean, your bedroom is pink. Oh,
2: for sure. Yeah. And I highly encourage <laughs> I mean, it's pink, pink all bedrooms. the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about that, just that little detail for a second. Did your husband get consulted? And why do we all need a pink bedroom?
2: So that was, so he normally trusts me with everything. Like, he literally doesn't question and he lets me do whatever I want, which is fantastic and totally trust me. But this was one thing that he vetoed at first. He was like, no, I'm putting my foot down. Like, this is the only time I've ever said no to you. And like, <laughs> I'm sticking to my guns here. And I was like, oh man, I was so <laughs> we'll sad, but I totally got it. So I kind of like hemmed and hawed on it. And then I think I never tried to like wear him down or anything, but he just eventually came down and uh, came around, you know, after a few months and said, if you want to do it, go for it. I trust you. And so I was like, fantastic, did it and (laughs) couldn't get the paint up fast enough, did it. And now he loves it. Like I can't, there's something I tell us to everybody when I propose a soft pink room of any sort, because everyone's a little hesitant. It feels like scary or like a little too feminine. It's weird because like our bedroom doesn't read that feminine when you're in it. There's just something very soft and soothing about it and the way it reflects light is just like I mean you cannot imagine a better place to like sit in your bed and read a book at night with a lamp on. It feels like you're in a cocoon.
0: Imagine it's very flattering. It too. is so you're, flattering. You always look really good. <laughs> oh, I mean, who doesn't I, want more flattering light in their bedroom? I give mean, give me
2: all the soft, ro- rosy light. I mean, even for a bathroom, you know, like so flattering to get ready in that color. But you
0: do not just use pink in the bedroom, and you do not just use one shade of pink. I mean, you use everything from blush, mauve, clay, terracotta, like every Shade of pink there is. And here's what I just love about the way you use pink, just kind of what you're saying about your bedroom. None of your rooms feel that girly at all, even if they're entirely a monotone pink color. So, like, even with florals in them, they don't feel girly. So, explain that. And yeah, what elements are you adding to that pink to pull back on the over the top?
2: Yeah. It's interesting. Colors are so, you know, there's this society's dictated that like pink is girly and blue is boy. It's so interesting when you start designing nurseries, but I, I think it's all about the shade. I mean, I do use lots of different shades of pink and I like purple as well. And I think people have this sentiment around those colors that they're girly colors, but I think it's just about balance. I mean, I think that's so true of design in general. Like if you're going to use pink somewhere, then like you, it can't feel overly sweet. I think that's what I'm always trying to avoid. Like it doesn't want to feel sweet. It wants to, and again, like I think the muddiness comes in a little bit there too. But even if you use like a poppy pink or something like ba- balancing out with like a muddy brown or something that brings in that element of more masculine, if you want to call it that, that keeps it from veering like too girly, if that makes sense. I was designing a boys' bedroom for one of our San Francisco clients a few weeks ago, and. I had all the textiles chosen and I was really stuck on, I was like, something is missing in this room. I don't know what to do on the window treatments. You know, I was fabric samples everywhere. And I was like, it's dusty rose. Like that's the color that's missing, but it's a boy's bedroom. Um, So I emailed the client, you know, and asked her and she was like, yeah, I'm totally game. Let's do it. And the room, like that was it. It just needed that one little hit. So I just think it's all about balance, honestly.
0: Mm -hmm. But I, I also feel that way on the reverse end on like a super masculine room. Like either one, I feel like you have, you cannot go straight to one. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to have that little. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think bringing in things that feel unexpected. Like I think always it's like trying to stay away from stuff that feels like cliche, cliche. you know, like a boy's bedroom is like blue and white and the girl's bedroom is pink. It's like bringing in more colors, I think helps do that.
0: Let's talk about floral patterns. Karen, you mentioned that because you love a floral pattern. Um. You really <laughs> even do. said every room needs a floral chair.
1: Truly. That's a quote. Yeah.
0: <laughs> a floral chair specifically? Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Okay, explain. <laughs> explain yourself. I would just say every room. I said
2: everyone. Everyone. Every house deserves one floral chair. You know, with pattern, I love pattern, obviously. Like, I think that comes across in my work. I think I would do even more pattern. My clients are often a little scared to do too much pattern. But I feel like in terms of like patterns that I'm drawn to, I love a floral. I have a very hard time if I'm designing a space that needs to feel like overtly masculine, like a man cave or like a boy's bedroom where the clients really want something gender specific. Because I just feel like there's something so nice about the scale of the pattern and how it lays out on the ground. And there's just so many options. You know, you can do like a small scale puppy floral or, you know, kind of like the de Gournay, like meandering floor. Like there's just so many iterations of it that I think mix so nicely with different patterns. I don't know. I have a hard time designing a room without one, at least on a pillow.
0: You know, it's funny because we had Margot Shaw from Flower Magazine on the show and we were talking about floral patterns. And I had never really thought about this before, but you are going to be hard pressed to find any like the vast majority of patterns have a floral motif or a botanical motif of some sort. I mean, even something that you would never even think of as being girly or feminine, like an oriental rug, mm-hmm. that is a floral pattern. I mean, Totally. So it, it is, you're totally right. Like even, and there's so many options,
2: you know? The options are endless. And it's also, you know, it's so nice because you can find floral patterns that are like, you know, two color or tone on tone or more muted. But what I like about so much of them is that they Bring in a lot, they have the ability to bring in a lot of different colors. So it can be a really nice, you know, like you can see a floral and there's 20 different colors on it because there's so many different elements, the leaves and the, you know, the flowers themselves. So it can be a really nice way to tie everything together. You know, all it takes is that one other fabric and then all the other fabrics in that room make sense.
0: So do you start with the fabrics of the space? Is that your jumping off point or do you have a palette in mind when you start the design process?
2: I generally have a palette in mind. You know, we, for every project, we create like Pinterest boards to share with the client, their pinning, their inspiration images. And those are always kind of the jumping off point for the mood and feel. And sometimes I start, I don't really have, I know some some designers are like, I start with a rug or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I don't really start with anything. Like maybe it is one fabric and I'm like, this is the fabric that I'm like basing the whole, sometimes there is one fabric that I'm like, this is the fabric for the house. Like everything's stemming off of this one piece. But I will generally... Most of the times I'll design like the hard shell first, like pick out the upholstery pieces, you know, the side tables, all of that. And then I kind of go to work on the textiles and start pulling that all together. I want to
1: talk about your summer cabin. Is that okay? Because I'm in love with it and I want to live there. So, uh, well, when you talk about color as a neutral, you really put that into full effect in that place. Talk a little bit about what it was like when you got it and what you did to transform it.
2: So when we got it it had not been touched since probably the 60s and it had wood paneling you know on all the walls and it was just very it had like you know mid-century light fixtures the layout was different than it is now but not you know we didn't move any out you know exterior walls or anything but it was just very very charming even then it had carpet everywhere it just felt really dated it had a dropped you know ceiling but we it was so adorable I mean and it's waterfront which is rare and we just saw so much Potential. But we did a pretty major remodel on it. You know, we closed, there was an outdoor shower. We captured that and captured like a laundry room to make the bunk room, just because for us, like we knew that would be a place where we'd want to have families out, you know, all summer long and a place that we wanted to be able to sleep a lot of people, you know. And then the rest of it was pretty cosmetic. You know, we updated obviously the kitchen, the bathrooms, we added French doors out to the deck. And then everything else was finishes and fixtures. So paint, obviously furnishings. Good, right? This gorgeous mm-hmm. navy yep. sort of. Yeah. I mean, the main, yeah, it's fair and ball down pipe, which is actually a gray. But again, with these muddy colors, like sometimes it reads green, sometimes it reads navy blue. And I fe- it was not a natural choice to make for that space. But it was like very in- very educational for me to do that. I think people, especially when there's like a big view involved, they tend to want to go white because they're like, we don't want to distract anything away from the view, like everything's about the outside. But having painted this space dark now, I understand that the opposite is true. And when you have dark walls, it makes the view pop even more. And I think that's not intuitive for a lot of people. And this house definitely taught me that. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel natural to have a summer cabin that's dark either. You know, I think people don't naturally gravitate towards that. But it feels wonderful in the summer, and it feels wonderful in the winter. So it really is It's very cozy, but it doesn't feel too dark, if that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to talk about brown furniture because, I mean, we. (laughs) I feel like ever since even we started this podcast four years ago, we've been talking about brown furniture, but it seems like really now is kind of the time where... It's coming back more, not just with designers who've been using it for so long, but with more people that are more open to it. Like, what's your case for brown furniture? Because as we mentioned, you love, you know, those sepia colors. Do you feel like antique finishes are something that is needed in every space? And how how might you work with them in, in rooms that don't have a lot of that
2: that warm color palette already? Are you talking about like wood furniture or are you talking about like? Yeah. Brown? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wood yes. furniture.
2: So I, I mean, I love vintage. I think that comes through my work. So I'm always, well, everything needs a dose of wood. I think that's true. Like I think every room needs to have a wood element because it's just all about balance. And I mean, I can't tell you how many, if I find like a good wood vintage side table, like it instantly goes on my Pinterest board because like you can never have too many. You're constantly using them. So like, I love, you know, like a vintage wood side table with a little drawer next to a sofa. Like, you know, maybe it's old English or old French or something like that. Like, I think the vintage is key because I think especially with wood tones, like the patina, especially with those older pieces is so important because I think that's what keeps them from feeling that kind of like bad brown furniture versus the good wood furniture. I think that's the delineation.
1: But then you're mixing that with the other styles too. Like for instance, in your mm-hmm. bedroom, mm-hmm. You, know, you have a dresser that's brown and then your bedside table, I feel like it's very sleek and painted and gray. You know, how do we do that?
2: Again, I feel like it's all about balance. So in every room I'm always considering, okay, as I'm designing, I'm like, Oh, maybe I love this dresser, but I'm like, Oh, I forgot we had that side table. And that's also wood. And like, Two wood pieces that like that might feel like too many wood pieces. I think it's all about balance. You know, like if there's a bedroom and we have a painted dresser, then I'm probably doing wood nightstands. Um, If there's a living room and we have a wood coffee table, then I'm probably looking for either like a metal or a painted side table. Like it's just all about finding balance. I think too many of the brown wood pieces like just feels dated and overwhelming and too traditional. So I think it's just about it's always a mix to me of like metal, painted, and wood.
0: Because I I I feel like you know even just like my girlfriend's asking me for help they would, you know I feel like their go to would say okay I have white nightstands like don't I need a white dresser when really it's the like opposite. you want anything but a white yep. dresser
2: like <laughs> <laughs> exactly you checked
0: the box like yeah. move
2: on I mean it's the same for a di- you know I I think people are moving away from this obviously but you know, years ago, it was like everything was a matching set, essentially. And I think you want to go as far away from that as possible. In general, you know, like with dining tables, dining chairs, and you know, you, I would never want a dining room that had like a wood dining table, wood dining chairs and a wood buffet or something. You have to mix it up. I think that's what helps make it feel layered.
1: Can we go overboard with that, Heidi? How many finishes can we have in a room?
2: I mean, again, all about balance. I think there's no, <laughs> no limit. And it, yeah. It also depends on how much furniture is in the room. You know, if you're dealing with a large living room and you've got multiple seating areas, it it can get really tricky figuring out how to balance that out. But I think it's all about this key of like a mix of light and dark, masculine and feminine, you know, wood, metal, painted. It's just finding that balance of like what feels good.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. I feel like we need to change gears a little bit to like layouts and function because as much as you are a master of pattern and color, I also feel like your client spaces are often so masterfully arranged and look like they are taking advantage of every single square inch.
2: I actually love working on small spaces. I think they are challenging in a way that is like fun for me. I just love to figure out like I know there's a better layout. I know that we can like maximize every square inch and I like the challenge of that. For me, with larger spaces I think are more challenging because I think a lot of my work always wants to feel kind of cozy. It's why people come to us like, you know, finding three great pieces for a living room or four great pieces is so much easier than finding 20. Every piece needs to be functional or aesthetically pleasing. And it allows you to really edit, which I think delivers like a really nice product.
1: I wanted to talk about your approach to hanging art. Because totally asymmetric, not all of it, but a lot of it asymmetric lots of small things kind of clustered together almost and i hate to use this word but almost kind of random feeling sometimes okay talk that through with me
2: because that will freak people out totally up. i am very much drawn to symmetry with you know with architecture and windows and built ins like i really like symmetry but then when it comes to other things like i like to make things feel a little bit off you know whether that's art placement or you know, a random piece of furniture or a weird lamp or whatever it is. Like, I just think there's something that makes it feel more lived in versus everything being perfect. Everything's about a composition. So I'm always considering, it just feels so straightforward to me to like, oh, have a bed. And then there's a piece of art over top centered over the headboard. Like, I just think there's a better way to do it. And so much is about creating a little bit of asymmetry in those elevations, you know, whether it's different heights on artwork or something's off-centered or there's one random little piece of artwork over a nightstand and that's the only piece in the room. Like, I just think it makes things more interesting.
0: I have noticed the reemergence of hand-painted tile, whether it's like that blue and white Delft tile or like a botanical. I feel like that is a move that only a designer can pull off at this point. But do you feel like that's something coming back?
2: I do. I will say in general, like I see a resurgence in a little bit of traditionalness, like Delft tiles, like kind of this old world, more European, more British. Like I think that is having a moment a little bit. And I think, you know, it's a shift away from like those all white, mid century modern white sofa like i think it's a direct reaction to that because i think people want houses that feel like the houses they grew up in i get a lot of times like this feels like my grandparents house and like that's the biggest compliment to me because it's where you're having all of your memories you know it's where you're raising your family i think people are craving that more now
0: okay so what would you say to people that are are putting in a backsplash a tile backsplash and they're just going to go with subway do you feel like we should put pause on our love of white subway tile. I don't.
2: Yeah. I actually don't think that. I still think that there's always place for white subway tile. I just finished a kitchen where we used white subway tile. It just feels it's all about the balance. I mean it's all about budget too, honestly, because it's a great budget option obviously. It's not for every kitchen, but sometimes it's the right choice. I feel that way about everything. Like I don't feel like I have a hard no on a lot of things just because I'm like if it's the right space and the kitchen calls for it, like that's what's needed. I think it's pretty and classic. I just think it has to be done in the right way. I think it's been overdone obviously but in small doses
1: do you pair that then with colored cabinetry
2: yeah like or like what's the kitchen that we just did had like the softest topiest cabinets and a really you know very detailed inset shaker with a bead and the cabinets themselves are so pretty like that's the star of the kitchen and then we did soapstone countertops and then there's not a lot of backsplash so we just did white subway tile on the backsplash and it just feels really classic
0: I feel like people just have to go dive into your work because it is, it is such a fun portfolio to look through. I mean, I feel like it's just, it's transports you
1: to another world. Also feels very accessible. Like I can move into that house and feel very comfortable. You know, feels like real people live in those houses that you're designing.
2: That's what I want. I always want our houses to feel like somebody walks in and they don't think you hired a decorator. Mm -hmm, They think totally maybe have good taste. Yeah.
0: Really, really good taste. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> exactly
0: karen i feel the same way i feel like we could i could live in there and too and we have like very different houses she and i so uh-huh. uh, you know
2: and we're. Both yeah, i feel animated. like i love it i feel like there is something people always ask like what the style of my work is i never ever know how to answer that question because i don't think, feel like i have a style per se but i get lots of inquiries from a whole range of clients who like a different aesthetic but I think that's nice because I like to design to different aesthetics as well.
0: All right. Should we do a decorating dilemma? Let's do it. We actually have two. One of them's real quick. All right. I'll read it. It's from Jill. And she says, what is your opinion of painting interior doors a dark color? Should all the interior doors be painted the same? Examples include closet doors as opposed to just the ones leading into the room. I love the look of dark doors, but do not want my small bungalow to look choppy. Thanks, Jill. I think I already know the answer
2: to this. Oh, I'm so curious what your answer would be. You have to tell me. I feel like, especially for small spaces, that you'd want to do all the interior doors the same color if you're doing that. But I feel like everything is dependent on the house itself and the architecture. And I mean, if you're dealing with a place that you know has six doors in a small room, like we probably shouldn't paint the doors a color. But I think in small doses, then I would do all the interior doors the same. Color and maybe leave the trim white. Ah, okay. So not not
1: even trim out the door, like just the door, the moving part itself would go. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm.
0: I don't know. I was just gonna. I feel like you're on board for color of in all shapes, sizes, and applications. But
2: yeah, it depends on the space. And I often would never like at this point. I don't think I'd do the same same paint treatment throughout the whole house. Like to paint all the trim and all the doors and everything the same dark color might feel a little bit overwhelming. Mm
1: I do love a painted door, though, especially with, you know if you have a house that's kind of boring. You can add a little drama to it. That's fun.
0: All right. Next is Jordan. She says, Hi, ladies. I discovered your podcast almost a year ago and love it. Our family moved into our first home in Miami from a condo six months ago, and your podcast was an invaluable resource to me and a huge help for making decorating decisions. Thank you, Jordan. That's so nice. All right. I had a baby two weeks ago after the move. Would not recommend this timing. So I hit pause on decorating right after we moved in and the initial round of... Decorating furniture purchasing was done. Now that we are somewhat settled and sleepy more, I'm trying to complete a few of the rooms and really need help with the finishing touches and layers in our formal dining room. I just can't seem to make any decisions. I've attached photos of the room, the floor plan, as well as the living room, which is across from the dining room. It's a 12 by 14 dining room with high 12 foot ceilings. I like what I've put in there so far, table, chairs, buffet, chandelier, and art, but I need help filling the space out and adding some warmth to the room with draperies, a rug, and accessories. I would love any and all advice, but my specific questions are below. I'd love to get rid of the blinds the previous owner had installed and add draperies. What kind of fabric or colors do you think would look best? I can't figure out what type of rug would look good in this space. I have two small children and will host other family and friends with kids. So a rug that is easy to clean and or hide stains is a must. I would love suggestions on lighting, decor, and accessories. And I have a big empty wall in the dining room. Could I add another piece of furniture or would it be too crowded? Thanks for reading my dilemma. XO All right. So
1: do you mind if I describe this space real quick, Heidi? So like she says, 12 by 14 room on the short wall of one end that's a very large open entrance to the room and then there's a rectangular dining table in the middle it looks to be like a burl top maybe it's kind of hard to tell and then some white chairs from ballard those are miles red chairs i can tell that appear to have like a maybe a green leather or a velvet seat sort of a sagey emeraldy kind of green the walls are sort of an icy blue There's on one of the long walls, two windows that right now she's saying have blinds in them. And she's asking about drapery, all the trim around the windows and around the room is white. And then on the other short wall, there is a, a, you know, not a huge console, sort of a console that's slightly wider than the dining table with art over it. And two Ballard lamps that I'm eye spying there. And she's got a cool kind of sculptural white light fixture hanging down over the table. So drapery, rugs, her big blank
0: wall, and accessories. She has fabulous taste.
2: Agreed. Yeah, I'm impressed that, I mean, her living room, like, it looks like it was designed. Okay, so I feel like this, for me, is, like, hands down a vintage rug, like, maybe with some violet, like, deep purpley brown undertones, like a cotan or something to kind of ground the space. There's a lot of white going on because she's got the white dining chairs, the white chandelier, and the white buffet. So I feel like something to kind of richen up the lighter colors in here would be lovely.
1: And would be child-friendly.
2: Exactly. We work with a lot of families that have small children. And, you know, staining, spilling is always kind of an issue. And this is a great pattern, is a great way to kind of hide stains, mask, all of that. So vintage rugs are a wonderful resource for this.
0: I also feel like wool. I mean...
2: Oh, definitely. I
0: can always get stains out of my wool rugs. My natural fiber, it's hit or miss. Cotton... Hit or miss. I mean, any sort of anything with silk or
2: viscose, you're dead. Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Especially in a dining room. Oh my goodness. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wool is a good go-to.
2: So I would say definitely a wool vintage wool wool rug, and then draperies. I mean, I think this room—that's what is really missing in here right now. So I would go all the way to the ceiling, or as high as you can, with the rod, um, and go all the way to the floor. I would do panels on each window. So it kind of frames that little pretty piece of artwork that she's got in between. And in terms of fabric, I mean, she's got the icy blue on the walls. There's color in the artwork and green in the chairs. I would probably keep this to like a neutral linen, like an oatmeal-y colored linen with a pinch pleat at the top.
1: Not a little floral? I thought for sure you
0: are going to be like, I thought for sure floral. you were going to say a floral pattern.
2: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It doesn't <laughs> feel right. It doesn't feel right for this room. And I'm not sure her style. I mean, she's got a little floral pillow on the sofa, but I'm not seeing a ton of pattern in here. I would do something I would do the same style of drapery but I would maybe do a print in the living room because I think the living room could do with a little pattern in there maybe a floral here like you know something larger scale or mid scale nothing super small and maybe with some different colors into it. She's got a lot of the kind of the icy blue and brown and lots of great neutrals but I think it would be nice to start layering in a little bit more color there.
0: And I seriously love every single thing in here. Like I love her Julie Neal light fixture, her would tape, like it all, oh, so fabulous.
2: She has some good artwork that's like framed really nicely, which is so lovely.
0: She did ask about whether she could fit or whether she should put a piece of furniture on the empty wall, like to the left when you walk in.
2: In the dining room, I would say no. I think she has enough furniture in there. But I would say, you know, what would be so pretty is she's got that little extra chair sitting against the buffet, next to the buffet, I think that would be a really nice opportunity to do. I love a random chair, so it's a one-off. But It's definitely probably vintage, and that would be a really great opportunity for some floral upholstery.
0: Yeah, thanks for inspiring us, Jordan. Yeah, I don't know why you wrote in, but I'm glad you did, because it was fun to look at your room. All right. (laughs) Heidi, can you tell everyone where to find you, follow you, see your work, all that good stuff?
2: My website is heidicallierdesign.com. Uh, Instagram handle is the same, Heidi Callier Design. I'm on Facebook, but not really. And Pinterest is also Heidi Callier Design. And that's, that's as far as that goes.
0: All the important spots. Well, thank you so much. It was so fun to chat with you. And I, I mentioned this before we started recording. I'm such a fangirl. So this was a treat for me.
2: Thank you. It was so much fun, ladies. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcastballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you
1: get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your
0: feedback. Until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.